Evolved, a podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, celebrate your amazing singular self, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the phrase visual style. Visual, of course, refers to things one can see, and style is defined as a distinctive manner of expression or a particular way something is done, created, or performed. And visual style is, of course, a cornerstone of being camera ready and able. So joining me to discuss is the dynamic duo that is the style that binds us, Alison Brune and Delia Folk. The Style That Binds Us is a next-generation women's media company and community exploring the cross-section of style and culture. And of course, we know how much I love exploring cross-sections. So I, I, I'm, I'm basically giddy. And uh, Allison and Delia do this by original content on their YouTube channel, blog and podcast, plus by a shopping experiences with a mission to support women by taking the stress out of getting dressed and going shopping by offering style tips and introductions to under the radar brands, which I'm very excited to hear about. This is, by the way, my first duo and therefore my first mother-daughter duo, which is super exciting. So welcome Delia and Allison. Thanks for being here. We're thrilled. We're so excited to be here. It's one of our favorite topics. I, mean, I want to dive into how you got into what you're doing, but first I just want to ask you as we get into the notion of the topic, um, jump in. Why does visual style matter? I, of course, have many opinions on the subject, but I want to hear from you. Right. Yeah, I don't think that, um, especially women, I don't think they understand the power that they have by what they put on their body in the morning, depending on what they're heading out to do for the day. There are so many examples that, let's say you're a child psychologist. If you're in a soft sweater and a flowy skirt and your voice is, you know, a certain timber or whatever, that's very different for them than if you're in a blazer and a button, you know, and you're in a tight uh, button-down shirt and you have your hair pulled back, sort of in a severe way. The children can either be very scared or they can feel very comfortable and safe. And and she hasn't even opened her mouth. That's when she walks in for the first time to meet a child that's going through some issues. So that's one example. Another example is um, there was a study that, that fascinated me about these two guys that were going on a job interview. And they put them in the same suit. It was a suit off the rack, but they got one completely tailored to fit the person's body. Okay. So they both went on the interviews. The people that were interviewing them did not know that this was a study. And every single time the man with the tailored suit was hired and the other one was not. And when they asked, why did you hire this person? They said he was more intelligent. He seemed much more polished. I could tell that he could handle tough situations. This is simply because of the way his suit fit him. Wow. So that just shows you kind of how important it is. Um, and, and on the flip side, we can really sabotage ourselves too, especially if you're going on an interview or if you're speaking to a group. There are just so many examples of how important having this knowledge is like your secret weapon you know, to getting dressed and telling the world who you are very quickly. You can tell your story for 30 minutes or you can walk in a room and people will say, oh, she looks creative. She looks intelligent. On the flip side, what was that study, Delia, about the women? They decided even somewhat, they said she she's probably promiscuous. She's she, They had all these crazy 
ideas about this woman strictly because of what she was wearing. And it really wasn't like a super sexy dress. I can't remember why they came up with that one, but that one really, you know, concerned me. So that is, there's something also called enclosed cognition, which is uh, about how you feel about yourself can many times be affected by what you put on your body. And we all know that now from COVID. When we stayed in our pajamas or our sweats, we didn't take a shower, put on at least some lip gloss or something. When you passed a mirror and you saw it, you, you know, you probably didn't even realize I look horrible. So now I'm really sad, you know, but it was more like, oh, you just had this feeling of things were not right in your family. If you had young kids and mom kept coming in the kitchen every morning, you know, looking very unfamiliar and sort of, you know, you, you, it's a, it, it was a scary thing for them. Mom needed to be there normal. Okay, kids. Here's your breakfast. Let's get our coffee. Time to study or whatever. Then they know all is right with the world. So I obviously can talk about this all day and I'm not going to ramble anymore, but it is beyond important. So important. Incredible what you just shared. Not a ramble, by the way. Good. Um, and, I, you know, I want to validate everything, but in my own experience during the pandemic around August, mm-hmm. came back from having gone up to the Berkshires. I don't know what came over me that made me want to make this decision, but I then in August of 2020 decided to get dressed, mm-hmm. put on makeup every day for work. I started dressing to come, right? right. And I started coming back to my office, yes. which, I, which I was lucky enough to have access to. Right. And, you know, my clients started noticing they weren't necessarily exactly sure what they were seeing because you're only seeing, you know, from the right. chest up really, but they knew something was different. My energy had shifted, but it was such a powerful I was just reclaiming to your point. Absolutely. Like nothing else had changed in the world around me, but it was something that I could do. And it made a huge, huge yes. emotional difference, practical difference. And then it actually started to impact my clients. Right. It was telling, you were sending signals to your brain that click in, I'm, t- I'm ready for work. I'm here for the, for the day. That's, you know, that's really what it's all about. And also um, I went to school at FIT, Fashion mm-hmm. Institute of Technology, and we learned about the science behind getting dressed. A lot of it was about, all this thing, everything we're talking about. It's, it's what the person, like I can tell you what the person is thinking when they, they see you for the first time based on certain things, creating visual har- harmony so they feel uh, not distracted and things like that. So it's really a wonderful uh, tool. And a lot of people say, well, the clothes I wear, you know, I don't have a lot of money and I, 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 any money I have, I spend on my kids' clothes. It's not about running out and buying a bunch of clothes. Or getting an expensive haircut even. You know, it's more about honing in on the things that work best for you. Deciding first. We have a visual branding workshop, actually, where you create a whole mood board. And um, it's a fascinating process, too. You allow yourself the time to kind of play and remember the things that you've liked in your life. And these things come out in the process. I forgot I liked that. Oh, look at this. Green keeps coming up. Obviously, I need to wear more green. You know, there's just all these little things that help you really hone in on, you know, who you are and what you want people to think and understand about you. Delia, I promise I'm about to ask you a question, but I want to also address what you mentioned at the beginning, Alice, about fit and the suit. When I was casting the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, that was one of the most practical things I learned right away was most of us as Americans wear clothes that are too big for us right? Because they're comfortable. And we have a very different idea of what fits and, and this, if it, 
anyway, with that. And so that I was like, whoa, because yeah. they really started to drive home the notion of, you know, men were wearing, you know, it's okay to wear khakis. You're just, your khakis are too big. They and don't too long. You, and oh. too, all those things, right? And so I learned to, you know, for that as a woman. And then the other thing that we know, because we're all in New York City right now, is every dry cleaner is a tailor pretty much, oh, yeah. which doesn't exist in other places. So that's where I learned going back to your point. It's not about how much you spend on your clothes. So you could get anything. Yes. Like I could be shopping bazaar, but I go for not yes. a lot to my tailor, yes. Annie yes. over here on Montague street and she yes. tailors my clothes. That's exactly right. That's one of the things that I talk to my clients about. Cause I work with women in their closets, you know, every day. And what I tell them is that the size charts, you know, double zeros, it, well, there wasn't even a double zero originally, but zero, two, four, six, eight, twelve. Those were created in the 1970s. They hadn't been changed since. And also there's hardly anybody that actually is a standard size. It really depends on your shoulders. If you have sloped shoulders, broad shoulders, all these kinds of things. So know a good tailor, you know, like you said, know your dry cleaner tailor, have them on speed dial almost, you know, cause a lot of people don't buy something and they didn't realize all they needed was it pulled up right here or tucked in at the waist you know, for it to fit like it was made for them. Absolutely. So Delia, okay, so you guys are a dynamic duo. Yes. And and uh, and th this is an audio conversation. So can you describe your visual styles and how they're different? <gasps> they're very different. So for me, I dress by my mood, by the occasion, by the weather, kind of gut instinct, whereas mom has a very much more specific and defined style. And so some days I'll be romantic and flirty. Some days I'll be edgy, sexy, rocker. Some days I will be tailored. And then mom, you can talk about your visual style. Well, when you, when you look like when you learn to do what I do for a living, I, you know, I know what works for what kind of body you have. So for me, anything that has ruffles and is sort of ethereal and very romantic and lightweight, it doesn't really work. I'm five nine. I've got bold coloring. Um, you know, I, tailored things work better for, for me or even like, you know, flare jeans or whatever it is at the time. So my greatest influence is the seventies and the sixties. And what I suggest to people is like for Delia, the ruffles, she's a more petite person. She has wave in her hair. So that look is just beautiful and very feminine on her. So once you figure out what works based on your body type and your coloring and everything, then um, you can, you know, play with that. So let's say Yves Saint Laurent is my, um, you know, would be my, my dream brand. So I would go to study the collections that Saint Laurent is doing right now. And also I look a lot back at the 60s and 70s what when he was actually alive and doing the collections and I figure out what I like. And then I start looking at brands at whatever price point I'm looking for to do something similar. Or Delia will call me and she'll say, okay, I'm going to a party. This is the deal. This is the vibe and everything. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you need to wear. Why don't you wear that feather bolero that we got at the vintage store in San Francisco and put on some platforms and, you know, so then, you know, so in her mind, she's thinking, oh, this is so fun. I'm like this rocker chick for the night kind of thing. It doesn't look like a costume, but it is, you know, you're wearing what you feel is the mood of the, of the, so I dress my body type. Delia can dress because she's younger and smaller and has more energy. <laughs> she can dress kind of, you know, on her whim, I guess we could say. It's a reflection of who we are. I love that. Yeah. So, Delia, walk me through 
um, a little bit about your business and who does what and how you decided to have a mother-daughter business or just and to become partners. Okay, sure. So where to even begin? I was at Barney's on the buying team. So I decided that I was to work in fashion and move to New York. This is what I came up with. So I interned at Versace. And then after graduation, came back and started working at Barney's. And mom became a stylist because she was an empty nester. And so actually when I was in college and it was spring break, I was needing to go on seven interviews in New York over spring break. And it was just too much. It's a full-time job preparing and studying and all of this stuff. So I said, mom, you've got to help me here. So we divided it up. I said, you study this brand, these brands, I'll study these brands. And kind of through that process and through, she was so sweet, we've done a video on our YouTube channel about mom and how she helped me get the internship and everything, just behind the scenes, not, you know, I did it myself for sure. But anyway, she was able to remember, oh, wow, I love beautiful things and getting dressed in fashion and style. And in the South, it can maybe style and fashion is seen as vain or who knows what. But anyway, so now we're working in the same industry. She's a stylist and I'm at Barney's. And so Barney's was all about emerging brands. And so I would say, mom, we met this incredible brand today. I don't know if Barney's is going to pick it up or not, but it's still a valid brand. You need to know about it for your clients so that you're not just introducing them to or showing them the pieces, suggesting the pieces that brands everyone already knows. That's one of the things about the style that binds us is we want to pull back the curtain to the fashion industry. We have the information and access. We actually know the founders behind these brands, the designers. So we want to share that. And so I would say, and maybe even you could bring them to Birmingham. So all of this is giving our audience and community and clients access to the fashion industry that normal people don't. And so while I was at Barney's, I started a blog. So basically when you're thinking about starting a company, it's okay, what are people constantly coming to you for? What are they asking you the questions? So for me, it was, wow, anyone that would, any family member or friend that said Delia is working at Barney's and living in New York, they're like, how in the world did that happen? And they would always come up with some even distant relative or anyone that wanted to work in fashion. Can she talk to Delia? And I am eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner at my desk and just like very intensely working. And so I wanted to create a chemistry 101, basically weeding out class so that people didn't think, oh, fashion, that would be fun. I would love to work in fashion, but I wanted them to understand how much goes into it. Do y'all hear the siren? Do I need Hi, welcome to New York. The little bit of sirens. I'm going to interrupt you there, and then we're going to go back to your story because here's some things I love that are core values of the Camera Ready Enable podcast that you just mentioned, and how much we are in alignment with our own values. One, I love the preparation that went into getting those internships and understanding the work that goes in. Right. And you know, sidebar, and and the fact that you teamed up and Allison, like how incredible, amazing. I love that. Um, I also love the notion that you started looking around how do we create opportunities or here we are and how do we grow this and what even I'm in this, I'm creating um, a personal styling business. I'm at Barney's. What more can I do with this? Right. How can I actually, I love fashion. How can I support these people that I'm meeting? And then the other thing that you love, which is one of my favorite words, and it was one of the podcast episodes is access. Mm-hmm. providing access to information, which is really a core value. And it's what the, this podcast is all about is to allow people to have access. And then the reality check, like this isn't easy. It's ever, you know, it's, it's glamorous. Everybody looks and thinks that, 
you know, being in entertainment is, is a red carpet right. stroll right. kind of thing. And it's like, oh God, that's <laughs> exactly. like, that's like five minutes yeah. out of a 24, you know, seven week. But anyway, so I'm sorry. So uh, sirens have gone away. So yes. continue on, please. <laughs> Let's see. I need to remember where. Okay. So, so anyway, so my blog was talking about how I got into fashion. What is it like when you're in it? Basically creating the resource that I didn't have in 2013 when I was trying to get in fashion. Coming from Alabama, I didn't know anyone that worked in it. What are the different positions and companies and which one would be right for me? All of that, we had to have a very serious crash course. Also, I was doing interviews. So Q&A interviews with my vendors or other people that I was meeting, again, to introduce people to these companies and the founders before it takes five to 10 years for it to become mainstream. So I'm type A, very intense. And I was so excited about my job. So of course, I'm like, what? This is insane. What's happening? So I studied all of my brands. I'm a very intense note taker and everything. So I studied my 30 plus vendors in beauty before I start working at Barney's. I walked the beauty floor as a customer, but also like new employee and not one. And I'm thinking when I'm studying the brands, wow, these stories are incredible. Each of them are so meaningful. I walked the beauty floor and not one of those stories was told to me as a customer. And I was shocked. And it was an observation that lay dormant for a couple of years. But I started thinking about it's so much more meaningful when you feel like you have a personal connection, when you hear, you know, the person behind the brand, you know, the story you've met them or whatever, then of course you're going to want to support them. So that was a big aspect of the business. I wanted the people that I knew to be able to, I know these fabulous founders and brands. I want you to know about them too. And then we got mom to start a blog because women kept asking her the same style questions over and over, especially 40 plus. Can I wear X at this age or whatever it was? And mom was going through the aging process. And I said, you need to talk about this. You have questions. And when you find the answer, you really need to share it. And she's saying, I don't want to talk about aging. This isn't fun, which I do sympathize with and understand. So Anyway, we started the blogs because aging is the best thing. It means you're continuing to live. So anyway, we had the blogs. When people would see us together, they would say, you're a mother-daughter. You have a great relationship. You're in the same industry. Why are you not having a business together? Y'all should combine. So in 2018, we finally did. We launched the Style That Binds Us YouTube and podcast. Mom didn't want to do the mommy and me thing. She said, you know, we're serious. We have a career. We're not some like act or shtick, whatever that word is. But anyway, so she finally decided that we could do this if it was going to be professional and serious. And then the style that binds us has evolved since then. We've added events. She still does the styling. I do brand consulting. So it's a whole thing. It's a lot. And Barbara, you'll appreciate the, she, when I started saying, you know, my, my hair doesn't feel the same or something's happening with my upper arms. She's like, Oh, you need to talk about all this. You have a platform. I'm like, look, I am in shock right now. I'm trying to understand what's going on. I don't really feel like talking to the world about it yet. But as you know, time went on. And when I did start doing this with Delia and we were doing things on social media and everything, I explained to her that people 
I don't know if it's 40s and above when people started taking selfies, but we did not do that growing up. And at least in the South, we were taught that anything bringing attention to yourself is is vain and shallow and everything. And now we know how important it is to take care of yourself. And there's no reason not to put your best foot forward. And it doesn't mean anything except for your living a you know your your best life, so they say. But it's the good thing is we also it's mother daughter. So it's like, yes, I can answer the question of I'm 50. Can I still wear a moto jacket? But Delia can be in the video too. And I can say, this is how Delia wears it because the other important part of this brand, which sounds like it's important to you too, is the inclusivity that no one is mm -hmm. too old to have a voice. No one is too short or tall or a certain race or color or, part of the world or you know every everyone is welcome with us mm. we we are privileged to get to have this information and we want to um bring everybody along with us love that you know just to validate this is generational and so one of the things i often talk to clients about too is because i have to tread but i've learned to tread both sides of this yeah is sometimes so you know a younger millennial and I have Gen Z children mm -hmm. are used to dealing with things in real time. Mm -hmm. And I think for many of us, in, in, you know, Gen X, boomer, even older millennials, it's, it's the idea that it's sometimes to be able, once I've worked through it, I can talk about it and, yes. and, be, and find the value in sharing my story. But yes. when I first wake up and I'm looking at those arms for the first time, I'm not yeah. going to crowdsource. Right. right. And to understand, but it goes back to your idea. It's all, there's not one size fits all. It's right. figuring out, you know, what's the solution that works for you. But the, the other part of though is, is releasing any shame we feel around. Oh, sure. Our aging sure. And our bodies. But now I'm getting a little deeper. Okay. Partnerships are challenging. Mothers and daughters mm -hmm. have their things. So I was really curious about like the, you know, the fun side of noticing, like, how do you two work through conflict? Like what happens if you actually disagree or how do you, how do you do that? Because partnerships are hard in business. It's not easy to be partners. I know. I know. Thanks. A lot of communication is required. Oh, sure. But I mean, thankfully, we communicate well. We're constantly speaking, except if she doesn't answer me for over an hour, I get very upset and start calling the doorman and saying, what is well, You can check on my mother. Um, yes. I think that... Um, because people might think, well, you know, it's the mother, daughter, the mother's kind of the boss and sort of tells, kind of calls the shots. But because of technology, and like you said, because of just this younger generation and the way they, they think through things and are, you know, all about digital and everything, she has a lot of knowledge that I don't have. So we learn from each other. And there is, I don't know why we don't have screaming, yelling fights. We don't, we maybe have hung up on each other once or twice in the last, you know, five years. But for some reason, I guess because we're both really committed to this and also because I'm more involved in, you know, working with clients. Like I'll have three brides and their mothers and their grandmothers and I'm dressing them for the bridesmaids luncheon, the rehearsal dinner, the engagement party, you know, all of these different things. I'm trying to work that out. Day is working with her brands and, and, um, you know, and then we have interns and, and Violet and everybody kind of helping us run the show that we don't step on each other's toes too much. I think we've realized who does what the best and that, you know, and then we do what we're supposed to do. And if there's time left over, I'll always say, Dave, what, you know, what do you need me to do?
I mean, this is why I'm asking those questions. This is I hope people are taking notes. Yeah. Why is shopping and getting dressed stressful? I'll jump in on this one in the day. You can, you know, come in whenever you want. But I think two reasons are the first one that I already talked about, about the sizing. You know, you have to, and everything's going online. So you don't know if one brand, a size six is a is a size four and another brand, you have to buy multiple pairs, you know, mm-hmm. and send two back. And that's not great for, you know, our carbon footprint and all of that kind of stuff. And you can't touch things. They look different. And a lot of people just don't have the time or the constitution really just to scroll for a million hours to try and find one thing. And besides, of course, right now we're having issues with uh, supply chain and everything, but also sizing has never, you know, some brands, if they have a petite at all, it'll just be petite. And they'll say, I'll say, well, that's not going to fit my client. You know, oh, well, if she's a petite, just get her the petite. I'm like, no, she's a petite 10 or she's a petite double zero. There's not, you know, one size. And then finally, this uh, more inclusivity and sizing is is starting to take place across the board. Even with designers, they finally realized um, the importance of doing that. And the main reason they never did it before was just because, just basically because of money. It takes a lot of money to make these little sample sets. So they make them the tiniest they can. And, you know, and then they just, it's more money to, to, you know, create clothing at, at the higher sizes. And so they just tried, you know, put it off for a long time, but they finally, started doing that. I'm ready for them to be more age inclusive and start adding more sleeves, short sleeve, lightweight things for women um, in their 40s, upper 40s, 50s and 60s. So in the summer, we're not just like, you know, so sad because <laughs> we can't find anything. That's where I come in and try and pull rabbits out wait, of the hat. Wait, wait, wait. Can we, I'm going to interrupt there too. Plus it's cold because of air conditioning. Yes. Because yes. offices, well, if yes. anybody ever goes back to an office, but even if you walk into a store, because why are they so cold? Because they were all designed for men who wear suits. Right. And so you're sitting in a restaurant, the vent is right above you. You're freezing and you have nothing to throw over your shoulders. Plus that's just such a great look to have a little jacket over your Shoulders and, you know, if you have anything you'd like to uh, camouflage sort of little third layer pieces are are a great thing for that. But the other reason is um, social media. So and online shopping. If you are, let's say it's a Nordstrom or a Saks type situation and you're up against all these other brands, how are you going to stand out on the page? You know, you're not in a store. There's not someone saying, oh, come look at this brand. These girls' names are, it's Veronica Beard. It's two Veronica's sisters-in-law. You'll love the brand. You know, that's not happening on, like, on Saks.com or whatever. So, so much to choose from. It's overwhelming, and there's really not a lot of things that the basic pieces that we need are not there because they're not popping, you know, they're not, oh boy, another black pant. I'm really going to click on that. But then what happens is invariably my clients will call and say, well, I ordered this thing. It looks so cute, but it it's here now. And it looks like a flamingo dancer. You know, these things like a cute top from Zara that had all these ruffles. I think she pictured herself. She's a young mom. 
she's having a garden party somewhere in her perfect life. And then she realizes, well, I'm definitely not going to wear that, you know, to Mother's Day out or around the house or whatever. I don't know where in the world I would ever wear this. I feel like a fool. But it was clickbait because it was so pretty and it made you dream. So, oh, so well yeah. said. And I think about like how much uh, retail therapy was right. happening during the pandemic. Right. It's so funny that you're talking about like, so I think it's, I apparently have no self-control when it comes to clicking on those black pants. <laughs> and I have a little package over to my right that I need to go drop off at UPS Yes, uh, to return because I realized, yeah, I don't need those actually. They look like all the other ones are in my closet. So, right. and I, somewhere I think I did order that pink flamingo top too, but that <laughs> is hilarious. So I, you know, you tapped into a bunch of different things. So one, it's demystifying. It's the notion of, of why we need experts like you to help curate for us and then and teach us the skills to curate for ourselves. The other is these big sort of emotional things about getting rid of the notion of retail therapy, because the idea that, that we're getting dopamine hits when we click on these things and order, and then it comes and it is not replacing whatever it is, the hole in our soul we were trying to address through shopping. Yes. Got it. And then there's the much bigger environmental issue is yes. that there is just too much. And, and, I, and I think, is it Catherine? not Catherine Schwarzenegger, but, oh shoot, it's going to come back to me. It'll come back to me. I'll circle back. She's written great stuff about fashion and the environment. Well, there are, thank goodness, that's finally becoming, uh, no one can look away anymore. It's out of the, it's out of the bag. It's the out of the bag. There's just too, there's way, way, way. great. The only issue choice. is that it's super expensive for these brands to, to switch. So they're all, most of them are honestly trying really, really hard. But they can't just overnight say, okay, now we're completely sustainable. Fair, yeah. fair point. And that's yeah. why I was just interested because there are a handful of the smaller brands that I wanted to get to who are doing things where you order and they don't create the, the Made, collection right. or those pieces. I understand that that's a much smaller concept, but I really am all for it. And many of them, yeah, they're great and it's less expensive. So who are some of your favorite under the radar brands that we should be looking at? Anybody want to give a shout out to? So I have a list and basically I'm going to go through them and we have discount codes for all of these. So you could email or DM us because each one has a specific code. So everything is the style that binds us website. That's a great hub. And there is a blog there filled with lots of different articles and fabulous things. And we have on desktop version, we have separated out by category. So Mestiza, it's occasion where basically these two girls, they're friends, they have all these weddings, they want to be wearing Oscar de la Renta, but of course they can't. And so they created incredible quality. All of these brands have this perfect mix of quality, price point, and aesthetic. We created something called the Style Standard, where we have, we ask ourselves a series of questions before we will work with a brand. So it is pre-approved and vetted and we don't work. We say no, of course, more than we say yes. A. Livia is a brand that she gives back in that the people that create the prints are people with special abilities or disabilities. 
And so there's many different ways to say that these days. But basically, she started and she was going to launch in April 2020 with autism, the month of autism awareness. And so people with autism, their paintings and their artwork, she took and she was a print designer in her prior life. And she created those became the prints for dresses and all of these things. And she gives back 10% of sales to the artists. And it's just a truly incredible brand. And it's very beautiful. Marie. It really is beautiful. And also, I know I'm interrupting you, but I think something important about that brand is she talks about when the parents of these artists and some of the artists are, you know, in their thirties, when the parents see the pieces and see their child has made something so beautiful that is going to go out into the world. It is, it is unbelievably meaningful. And it is, the clothes are beautiful. It's not enough just to say, oh, isn't this sweet that I do this? You know, they have to be, it has to be the real deal. So mm -hmm. sorry for interrupting, but I thought that was important. Yes. Marie Lafont. she is a shoe designer. I fell in love with, she started with boots. It. She is married to the step great grandson of Picasso. So all she's fashion. And then also everything is art. All of the shoes are named after a female artist. She's French. So obsessed with her. And they're also sustainable. Lova, I'm wearing these fabulous earrings. They're lightweight. They're handmade, but they're like $200. I mean, it's insane. She's French and fabulous as well. Lee Organics is this beautiful Malaysian model. She had skincare issues and then she went back to Malaysia and learned about the skincare ancient techniques and created this skincare line that's clean. It's and I love it. My skin all hers she is so beautiful. Her skin is always glowing and whenever we use the products we feel that happens to us. Sarah Flint is a fabulous shoe designer. She's a female shoe designer. A lot of shoe designers are actually men, but she is has really thought through comfort and style and price so much so that Meghan Markle, Amal Clooney, Cindy Crawford, Lady Gaga, I mean, so many different celebrities have worn her pieces. That, are, that have to be on their feet all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Gaga had like horrible surgery. I mean, she oh wow really hurt her feet oh, a few years ago. Like she she was tooling around in a wheelchair, and so yeah, um, she really needs uh, stylish comfort shoes at this so point. That's so right. I love and this. That's the thing. She um, it's not stylist giving the shoes to their celebrities who are wearing them once. It's you know delivering when Megan was still at the palace, they would deliver the shoes to her at the palace, multiple pairs, because she had to be at all these, you know, public engagements all the time standing up. So whether, however you feel about Meghan Markle, you can see how she or Amal Clooney, someone who literally is on their feet all day long, if they are buying these shoes over and over again, it's got to be a special shoe. I love this. Mm -hmm. What's the next or the big dream? Like what's next for you? You're, so you're entering your fourth year of the style that binds us. What what is what's next level for your next generation company? Oh my goodness. So many things. I mean, mom has just moved to New York, so we're finally in the same place. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's huge. And if we can get past these variants, I'm really I just know this is the last one. So as we can <laughs> finish with that, and Barbara, we would love for you and your audience to be included in this, but start having events. Mom to establish a client base here. She definitely is very established in the South, but now expanding in the Northeast. Me continuing to work with 
consulting clients with the brands, they that had kind of been put on pause because, of course, they're frantically just trying to survive. So now we can really get back into the direct-to-consumer and wholesale strategies that make sense for them. There's just so much. Mom, is there anything I missed? I'm just looking forward to getting back to the um, our, the events that we have an event list and we have special events and we usually make sure that the designer or the head of the brand is at the event. They relatively try to keep them relatively small so they can actually get to know the, the, the person who's designing the clothes, understand the story. It all kind of goes together to, you know, to, if you're going to keep buying things, at least be very thoughtful about it and buy something that has a story with it that means something to you when you wear it. Oh, I love the mindfulness of that. And I love the idea. It's making me bring a big smile. The idea to look forward to going to events. Yes like yours. That sounds great. And so a couple of things. One, you, you actually respond to DM. So God yes. love you. So if somebody wants to reach out via DM and or via your website, the style that finds us, correct? Absolutely. And that's where we can find you about everything in these discount co codes and these designers and to hire your services, whether for personal styling or for different organizations and brands that are part of my community is amazing. I also want to recap and thank you for answering the question, what is visual style and also why it matters? Because that's a, I'm not kidding when I talk about how much it is essential to camera readiness. And it's sometimes mm -hmm. an element that my clients or just people in general skip over because we get so focused on our information. It's huge. We forget about the optics and then, and my pillars are, you know, mindset, strategy, technique sure. and practice. And to what you said, one, how it makes us feel is essential to our mindset. And two, that amazing example you gave at the beginning of our conversation about mm -hmm. the two men in the same suit, one, one that fit, right. one that didn't, and, and the projections people had onto them. Incredible. And this shows up in a job interview, in audition, oh, yeah. first date in the giant zoom room with your company. And now is it, you know, and these, and these meetings are not going to go away. I meant mm -hmm. communicating via visual platforms. So think about like what a small shift that is that anybody could do today to just like how you show up in our little square, just like, you know, pop a color with a top that fits. Absolutely. And, unfortunately, and a smile on your face and using right. that great skincare product. Right, 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 right. It's, it's unfortunate that I don't know if you've had this, but I've had this happen so many times with my family members or whatever, we're watching the news, we're watching the Today Show, whatever. And instead of listening to what they're saying, someone is saying, is that a wig? What do you think about that um, next time? I don't think that color looks really good on her. So that's why when you're on camera, unfortunately, that's what people are going to be looking at. And it's human nature. It's not even like trying to be mean. It's just like, hmm, that's a weird color she picked. Why do you think she picked that color? You know, then they're distracted from what you're actually exactly. saying, which is probably something important. So. Oh, I would love to have you two back to, to discuss this even further because it gets into the culture and gender and issues yes. and identity. So we will have a part two. So thank, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. And everyone remember, it's go to the style that finds us .com. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you're looking for support and accountability on how to play the long game to know when you're ready to win and how to own your own priorities, please shoot me a note via my website at ableintermedia.com. I'd love to discuss it with you. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Mm -hmm.